It's Jennifer Diane Ghostin, and welcome to Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land. You, the listening audience, will have the opportunity through episodes in this podcast to learn, dissect, and grapple with some of the issues involving those of us separated from our biological family. You may have wondered what reunion looks like from an adoptee's point of view, or be embarking upon taking that journey yourself to search for your first family, or simply want confirmation that you are not alone in your experience, wherever you are on the path of healing and pushing through a trauma. Wouldn't it be empowering to have many of your burning questions answered here? My next guest is a journalist, filmmaker, operates a record company, among other things, and that I had the privilege of meeting in person at the Untangling Our Roots Summit this year. Reckoning with the Primal Wound is her most recent film, and she will be screening it this summer in Nashville, Tennessee, her place of birth, where I happened to spend most of my time. She goes by the name given to her through adoption and the one given to her at birth. Her name is Rebecca Autumn Sansom. In this episode, we chat about the adoptee army, something called tone policing on social media, her internationally acclaimed film, and so much more. I feel like we picked up where we left off since the summit during this recording. And Rebecca Autumn was the first person I recorded with for my podcast when I returned home. I was still coming down from all the excitement that past weekend. If you're a faithful listener on here, then I know that you've heard me say, take full advantage of an in-person conference with other adoptees when the opportunity presents itself, if you want to be better connected to our community. Rebecca Autumn was invited by Oregon's Congressman Blumenauer to screen her featured documentary, about high-speed rail, trains forming America, at the Capitol in D.C. She won a 2015 Mid-South Regional Emmy for her work on Tout Your Town, a travel series produced by Genuine Human Productions, Nashville, Tennessee. She is currently disrupting the entertainment industry by creating a space to reflect the cultural evolution of inclusivity that people clearly want with the Wavy Awards, which won the Commitment to Action Award 2023 from Clinton Global Initiative University. Her film, Reckoning with the Primal Wound, marks the first adoptee and first mother team to produce a film about primal wound theory. Allow me to introduce you to someone who uses her creative abilities and journalistic talents to produce valuable resources to the public at large. She is guided by the promise of a consciously evolving humanity. In the short time that I've known her, we've been able to cover a lot of topics about some of the things we as adoptees face when we're open, honest, and public. Rebecca Autumn Sansom, I am so excited to have this conversation with you today for so many reasons. We've got so much to talk about. 
And I'll first start with how are you doing in Florida? Oh, I'm good. It's a hot, humid day, but it's such an honor to be here. I've always wanted to be on your podcast, Jennifer, so thank you. Oh, thank you for the compliment. I'm here in Nashville, which I know that you were born here, and we are also having wonderful weather, so I'm glad about that. I love Nashville. What do you love most about Nashville? I love the people. I miss uh, my friends. My mentor is there uh, and family, of course. So all of my family is there. When you grow up somewhere, you know, the places become who you are in a way. So Sam and Zoe's coffee shop, Vito's coffee shop. Those were my places I hung out, Hillsborough Village. Cafe Coco. Mm. You know, I think they're all still there, which I love. Yeah, I love it here. I've been here, it'll be nine years in May. Yeah. And um, and we're coming up on May. We're recording April 14th. And I have to say to my listeners that Rebecca is the first person to record with me for my podcast who I had the awesome opportunity to meet in person at the summit in Louisville this past March, the Untangling Our Roots Summit hosted by Right to Know and National Association of Adoptees and Parents. And I have to tell you, it was a very great time that weekend. And, And so what are your thoughts about seeing everybody in person there? Oh, well, I want to acknowledge... Marcy and Cara and Jennifer and Leslie for all the hard work they did and everyone else that worked to put it together. It was incredible. And I needed it more than I knew just to get from being online and kind of consumed by more of a negative space online to being offline in such a positive like healing experience. I I really needed that more than I knew. Yeah. There's something about being in person. It's it's like next level. Were you ever overwhelmed or overstimulated at times during the summit, the conference? That's such a good question. They had a room where if you were feeling that way and you were aware of it, you could go and talk to a therapist, which is so nice. And I wish I had utilized that. During my time there, I didn't feel that way. Like coming out of it the next week, I did feel mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, if that's a way to explain it. A lot of people talked about that, how the week following would be harder. And I didn't know what they meant, but um, I don't know if you experienced that too. But I was like in a, an emotionally, I think overstimulated is the right word especially um, being able to compare, like being around so many people and having that conversation where you have tears in your eyes and you're hugging people and you understand and you're with you know, your people that you don't have to explain yourself mm-hmm. to. And this brought together um, different constellation members. So it wasn't just adoptees. Right. You know, there are a lot of first parents or adoptive parents. Um, there are donor conceived or assisted reproduction there was even 
a, an egg donor there. So that was fascinating to learn about all the perspectives. That's a lot of information. Yeah. I met a sperm donor. Yeah. You did? I did. I oh, sat yeah, next I to him. And he was such a lovely man. I Is he the one that, like, had fathered a lot of children? That, or how do you even say that? Well, I just <laughs> know he told me that it was years ago because I believe he was in his 50s. And he's from Canada. And he just kind of explained to me years ago his decision, you know, was financial. And he was told that it was very controlled. And and nobody could really see into where we are now, into the future of the ramifications behind his decision. And I just thought it was wonderful that he was at the summit because he wants mm-hmm. to learn. He wants to know like what's going on now yeah with yeah. with the community and 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 he's open mm-hmm. to his biological children reaching out to him like he just he just seemed to be very receptive to wow I didn't see all of this coming I want to learn and that's why creating spaces like the summit are so important absolutely i felt what I thought I felt was overwhelmed by the conference, but a adoptee slash daughter friend slash therapist gave me the word overstimulated. And I thought that's exactly what I'm feeling. And it was at times, and I won't say it was bad. It wasn't throughout, but it was a lot. I think I had like 12 people that I had gotten to know through Zoom and phone calls for a year, sometimes even longer than that, that I wanted to see in person. Like I made my list and as I met them one by one, and you were on my list, by the way, (laughs) I was like, oh my goodness, it's happening, right? So that was the overstimulation, like seeing the faces and then hugging and then talking. Like it was just, yeah, it was a lot. And like, I have no regrets. It was a wonderful conference. I agree. They did a great job. The collaboration was um, so well done. For it to yeah. bring us all together, I think that's just the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and Thursday night, your film was shown, Reckoning with the Primal Wound. And I had heard so many great things about it, but I hadn't yet seen it. And I'm so glad you were able to show it at the summit. I know you are a filmmaker and you've done other films, which I recently learned. But I imagine that was very challenging. And so do you want to talk a little bit about the process of of this wonderful film that I have to see again and probably two or three times because I'm sure there are things I missed? Thank you for saying the kind words. And yeah, the process... I still sometimes don't know how I was able to finish it. It it was hard emotionally. My stories in the film and my first mother, Jill Hawkins, is also in the film. We produced it together and I never wanted my story to be in the film. So it took a couple people to convince me to add my story in. Like after I'd gotten the interview with Nancy Berrier, the author of The Primal Wound, and other expert interviews. Um, I did not know the story arc. I didn't know what I was going to do with all this footage. I 
sat on it for a year because I didn't know what to do. When people learned the story of how the first thing Jill said to me on the phone when we reconnected in 2012 was, did you get the box? I immediately said, what box? And learned that she left a box for me with my parents. And then, so I investigated and that's kind of what the movie is about. Like, where is this box that I never got? That was interesting to people. <laughs> like a thing, a detail of your life, part of your story that you don't really marinate on and um, realize the gravitas of until other people are like, that's the story, <laughs> you know? That was difficult for me to do because I'm usually behind the camera, but a friend offered to interview me. Most of the time I'm doing confessional videos when I'm struck by something, which I like and I think worked well for bringing out the emotional aspect of the primal wound. So that's the best feedback I've gotten is that it really hits on that emotional level of demonstrating the primal wound from an adoptee and a first mother in a way that where you're pairing it with these experts talking about the primal wound, it is very effective. I had no idea that would be an outcome. I felt like I had to do it. I don't know if you've ever felt like you had to do a project. Sort yeah, of I have. Together. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You have the drive, you don't know how it's going to happen. And then you, have support around you and the right people, like my mentor, Demetria Kalodimos, who's in Nashville. Um, and I edited most of the film at the filming station there. She was instrumental in the story arc and like a lot of the last scene. That was her idea to put last. And I, I think if you leave people thinking with like a question that that is ultimately the goal of a good documentary mm -hmm. and um, it does that i'm thrilled with the reception of the film i didn't go back and say why i made it but it was simply i wanted to send two family members who were adoptees and they were struggling i like to say they were on the struggle bus i wanted to send them the film version of the primal wound because i knew they wouldn't read the book and it didn't exist where did that where come found. Where did that come from? Struggle bus. My bestie, Catherine Nelson, shout out. She's in Memphis. Uh, she has four kids and uses that term often. <laughs> I had never heard that before. Struggle bus. It sounds hard. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like being on a bus. That's hard. Right. But I mean, we're on the struggle bus as adoptees a lot of the time. And uh, I really started using it. That is another thing that just kind of magically happened when we had the premiere of the film at the Catalina Film Festival in LA last September. I had so many adoptee influencers, people in the triad or constellation come, like I had birth mom, Sierra Watts, that's her handle, that's why I'm calling her that. Jill likes to be called first mother, but Sierra, Garrett Mrosky, who's an inter-country adoptee in the myth, my bestie from Fresno, who's not an adoptee, but an ally, Daria Rottenberg, also an inter-country adoptee from Russia and a model in LA, Raya Snow from Fireside Adoptees. It kind of added up and I needed transportation. And 
I ended up renting a party bus. And then when we all got on it, we were all dealing with our own struggles that day Mm -hmm. and talking about it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it's the struggle bus. (laughs) I heard you say that when you were talking to Beth and Unraveling Adoption. (laughs) podcast. I thought struggle bus. That's interesting. You know, so many scenes from your film struck me. And Mm. one in particular was when Jill says, I wouldn't have done well. And I'm kind of paraphrasing. I wouldn't have done well being an adoptee. Isn't that? Yeah, that I just sat with that. And I I really want to go back and and listen to that again, because she does explain a bit why when you were filming was that the first time you heard her say that or had she said that to you before that was the first time I started filming in the kitchen when she was making sandwiches because we talked about that earlier and I I went and got the camera because I she said that and I was like that's good she used the word turmoil that she would have been in constant turmoil and I thought that was gold right and that she had never considered it before. And she, I mean, she says everything she said. She was really good at that. <laughs> like saying something off camera and then being able to say it on camera. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's a powerful scene for me. Yeah. That's one of my producers, Sarah Davis's favorite scene. Yeah, it's a very powerful scene. And then when you talk about Adoptee Army, did you come up with that? Yes. I put out a call, though, to see what we should be called, Um, because I did get notes back on Mother's Day. I had a screening of my director's cut of the film in 2020, (laughs) or maybe it's 2021. It must have been 2021. I asked the community for help in notes, and then I had the idea of um, adding them to the credits of the film, and then I wanted to call it something because there are so many people. There's like a thousand people that wanted to be in the credits. Mm. So I was like, this is a movement. We should call ourselves something. I we love it. And thank you for including options. me in the army. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> that was so nice to see. I, I mean, not only my name, but the name of the podcast. I just thought that was so generous. So thank you for that. You must have told me to, because everybody that's in it told me to put their name in it somehow. Well, let me tell you what I think happened. Okay. You know Emma Stevens? Mm Mm-hmm. She mentioned it to me. I believe it was Emma that said that you need to send something to Rebecca so you can be in the Army. I believe it was Emma that suggested I submit a request to be in the credits to be a part of the adoptee Army, and I never did it. And next thing I know, it was done. So I, I'm pretty sure she did that. She must have told me. To yes. Yeah. It was something on those lines because I know she mentioned it to me. You know, I just didn't get a I chance. I love her. <laughs> She's so supportive of what other people are doing. She's always posting mm-hmm. things uh, along with her things. I just think she she just spreads a lot of love in the community. For sure. And I got to buy her latest book from her at the conference. Oh, good. Yeah, she was on my list. Emma was definitely on my list. uh, And I just listened to y'all's episode. Yeah, both her books are so good. I love the pace, Mm -hmm. the writing style. She's a great storyteller. 
Yeah, she let me. I got to do a blurb for the first one. Oh, good. Really nice. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so, I love her. So I She's like that. So I like adopting army, and I think mm-hmm. there's a. Uh, is it a first parent army? Yeah. Then it was adoptive like, parent army. Yeah, I have sections now because it is just growing and. The hashtag is adoptee army, and I want it to be known that that doesn't mean you have to be an adoptee to support us. Yeah, I uh, like that. Like you, I believe in adoptee allies. There are uh-huh. quite a few, and some may be within the constellation. Or like my aunt that I talk to weekly, she's definitely an ally. Uh, so I think it's good to recognize mm-hmm. allies. And I, Allies are how anything will change. Mm-hmm. In any movement, I think. Yeah. It's not the marginalized group. It is loud. We're getting louder and louder, but mm-hmm. we need allies. So how does it feel to be on the other side of making your film about your adoption journey? Mm. That Jill and I's relationship was unshakable. You know, we told our story in this medium and it was, and we finished it. And like, that was it. No more hard times, but <laughs> that's not what happened. Because what I found is that in every Q and A, which they're all different, and it's usually me and Jill, people ask questions that bring up new things, or I say things on a podcast that she wishes I hadn't said, and <laughs> then we've gotten in more not fights, but, you know, heated disagreements than we ever had in our relationship following the release of the film and our story being out there and more people knowing it. And it's, I think we're good. I, of course, would think, okay, I finally did it. She's going to leave me. (laughs) And she is constantly thinking that too. So now we've talked about it. We're both like scared the other person's going to leave and never look back and have committed to each other that we're never going to do that to each other. And I do believe her now, but it's taken like six months of her saying it over and over again. And she said it in Q&As, like, I think it was the last Hyrith screening, maybe. I can't remember which Q&A where she was just telling me. No, it might have been Rasa in Australia that she loves me and just validating everything that I need to hear in the Mm. (laughs) Q&A. Because I think the moderator was like, just let her apologize. And I was like, no, 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 it's okay. You don't have to apologize for anything. And they were advocating for maybe she should. Or I think that's part of the healing work they do in that space. And it's called Relationships Australia. So they're experts in all things relationships. And I thought that was a really interesting practice to maybe let people apologize and accept it. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you think about that. but Yeah. How have you best navigated your evolution in adoption land, adoptee land, and managed backlash from other adoptees? That question. Not well, Jennifer. Because <laughs> we were talking about TikTok and Twitter. And I'll start off, actually, because I, I shared a little bit about what happened to me when I started this podcast two years ago. 
when I was on Twitter, I'm no longer on there. To my knowledge, I'm not on there. You're not. <laughs> but I remember I had just started. It was like March 2021. And I got a message, a comment made that my podcast, along with, I don't know if he mentioned three other podcasts that were all hosted by Black women and how we weren't going to have male guests on. And I thought, first of all, it's completely unfounded because I already had scheduled guests that were male whites to be on my podcast. And it's never occurred to me to not entertain guests of all ethnicities. Like that was never my vision. So when I saw that, I'm like, okay, I know this is a troll, but how do I deal with it? I did respond. And I think today I probably wouldn't respond because when, when, you, when you know something is not based in the truth, what kind of conversation can you really have? Especially when you, you're not face-to-face, you're on social media. I'm not interested in going back and forth with people. What are your thoughts? I'm sorry you had to deal with that. And I think it's just part of being more public and producing any content is I guess you're going to have to deal with it. And I've certainly had to deal with it. Coming off of the premiere and Jill and Nancy, neither of them came out to California for the premiere. And I was feeling kind of like unsupported maybe by the community. I, I don't know what I expected from everybody, but, you know, I was feeling a little unsupported. I didn't think that everyone would do a reaction video on all the platforms and boost it, but then hardly anybody did. So I decided to play devil's advocate a little bit and I had no idea, like I wasn't really in the community on TikTok. So I had no clue what I was stepping into, admittedly. And so I got it, like, just dragged. And then I apologized. I think I apologized twice. But, like, the apologies weren't good enough. And so then I was just out. And I've been out since then. What and, do you mean when you say out? Just away from well, it? Well, you're either in or you're out with that oh, okay. group. And I'm not trying to separate us, but... A lot of them call themselves the adoptee cult. Mm. So that's on TikTok. Yes. Okay. I'm not on TikTok. Okay. And there's a lot of good advocacy that goes on over there. And I think part of maybe other adoptees, but especially my personality with that people pleaser mentality, I was devastated that they didn't like me. I tried to get them to like me and that did not work. I think tried to cancel me in five different ways now. Oh my goodness. What does that mean? Cancel you in five different ways. <laughs> <laughs> There's all these things that I've done that they are extraordinarily judgmental. Will say such mean things mm, that I've yeah. never heard before. Like, and with adoptees, you know, which buttons to push that are going to hurt. So they'll tell me that I don't belong in the community and I'm not part of their community. Mm. And I never expected so much like disrespect because I was making this tool, uh, the film to amplify our voices. I, I wanted all of us to be on a party bus together, you know, dancing to pop music and healing. 
so to realize that there's people out there that do not care about my well-being who actively want me to fail has been interesting and that's why the conference was so good because there are so many people that knew and came up to me and said that they'd seen what happened to me online that they'd unfollowed people because they just thought it was unfair and ridiculous and then some people at the conference were standoffish to me and then I found out that they had been talking trash about me pre like the week before and I had no idea they even knew who I was so when you told me that I, I couldn't hardly process that that, that just felt really awful. well because it's you're either in or out so I'll right. tell you there's there's a list and there are people on a list that you do not mess with and so there are people that all try to follow because I'll see them on a live and I like what they're saying but they've blocked me and I don't even know who they are because I'm on a list but I think this is very subversive and damaging to adoptees so an example my latest thing Ariel who is a birth mother and an adoptee and spent she grew up in the foster care system she stood up to this bullying because it's a pattern and I couldn't believe it I watched the video where she's just calling people out and like she's like I've had enough and I'm like yes finally and so I boosted her and one of my biggest fans for the film saw that and um, was in a live with one of some of the people who had been called out she's like stood up to them as well her handle is abandoned adoptee and mm. she's just been supportive of adoptees in that space but because she respects me and the film she um wanted to stand up too because there's power in numbers so now there was like two of us now there was three of us standing up to this very destructive pattern the person who is a big influencer over there and talks about how adoptees are overrepresented in prison and mental health facilities and rehab and that we are more likely to attempt suicide and all these things completely turned when somebody was pushing back on what they were saying and doxed her she had actually been on their podcast six months before and filled out a waiver you know like you do when you have a podcast and you're a producer so they had her name and her address and her phone number and were able to google and find that she had served time and so totally outed her as a felon wow and I, I for wonder, two days I that's wonder. all their content was this list you're talking about, I, like, I'm wondering, am I on this list? You know, like, just... you might be after talking to me. But <laughs> <laughs> so I'm here to say it doesn't matter. Oh, my goodness. Because, and, and I told you this quote, I truly believe this about any and every person. You can be the sweetest peach in the world, and there will be someone who doesn't like peaches. And, mm -hmm. and so, like, a list like I could see, I like if you just don't like something or you don't agree with it, then you just what I do is I just leave it alone. Like I, yes, I move on. Like I have, it's just not for me. It's like a buffet. There's all kinds of stuff on there that I don't 
want to eat. But I would never say, take all that stuff off that buffet because I don't like it. There's somebody else that likes some of that stuff that I don't put on my plate. Yes. Right. Yes. (laughs) So that's (laughs) kind of what I have to tell myself now, like give myself that pep talk to ever post on TikTok again, because I know for a fact that I have more supporters than haters or people who are going to drag me, tell me that I don't belong in the community. That's ridiculous. You can't say that to me. And I think you (laughs) called it, which I hadn't heard before. If I did, I didn't recall. It's called tone policing or Mm -hmm. it's regarded as tone policing. That's like the the thing that you could say. It doesn't go both ways. There's a lot of hypocrisy. So Mm, if you're out, no matter what you say, you know. Right. Is there anything else you want to say about an experience that you've had regarding that and that possibly was turned around? Yes, because I have constantly said, and I said it publicly, I would talk to anybody outside of this app if anyone wants to actually tell me their concerns about me. And no one takes me up on it. And then one of the adversaries who'd made like a series of videos <laughs> directed at me. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to follow her. And I did. And she immediately was like, why? And she followed me back. So she could DM me. Um, so why follow me now? Do you want to talk? And I didn't at all foresee that outcome, that question. So when she posed that, I was like, of course I want to talk. That's all I've been saying. I love talking. Yes, but not on this app. You know, those are my conditions. And so we ended up Zooming for an hour and a half. Ended it laughing and like saying we'd have to hang out in person next time we were in each other's neck of the woods. That was one of the most recent interactions I had. That was right before Summit. And then I went to Summit, saw people in person. Everybody was so respectful and like appreciative of the work I've done and the contributions and realize that I'm not this awful person that I'm that people are telling other people I am. It's such a weird place to be in where people are saying things about you that aren't true. And so I felt a nice warm blanket of apathy for TikTok. And all of the people over there that have chosen to be, I don't know, undermining and sinister, the opposite of what I want to bring to the table, which is community building and making people feel like they do belong and that they're seen and heard. Exactly. Yeah. You get it. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you were able to turn that around that somewhere in that person she was open to to doing that too me too because when you meet someone in person and or you're able to do the zoom we'll say there's a definite connection that can't be made just typing on social media well it's dehumanizing us from each other mm-hmm. and in the adoptee space where there are i i do forgive a lot of it because there's a lot of trauma and abuse and neglect and then maybe being raised by parents who you're just learning these behaviors and these patterns and that's all you know 
So I get it. I understand that. And I, I'm not going to be mad about anybody thinking they have to do that to me. But it's also not healthy for either of us to be around. And I want to provide like a safe space. So I reacted the wrong way. I totally was reactive and defensive at the beginning. Mm. Then I kind of formed a little support group for myself because I realized if I was going to become more of a public figure and I want to prevent pain and suffering in this space that I have got to do my own inner work so I can you know, not be reactive and defensive um, and turn people off. Yeah, it does take a certain kind of skin to be public, for sure. And I think you, you, you said it best that you have to create the support around you because there are plenty of people that appreciate you and what you're doing. Um, I'm one of them. And, and as someone that's been pretty public, open and honest for at least a decade, I know that has been important, very valuable to me to surround myself, have conversations with, in fellowship with, on a regular basis, those people who do support me. Mm. Yeah, that's that's critical. You know, one thing I ask, just learned that. Yeah, that is so true. So I want to ask you, how has your relationship evolved with your adoptive mother? With Martha Carroll? Yeah. Since reunion. Oh, well, she's only been around Jill a couple times and that and I wish that they had more of a relationship, but I feel like we've grown closer. I wish my parents were a little more open to continuing the conversation. And I really wish they would come to Q&As or screenings. I don't think they'll even come to the Nashville one. Oh. Because I know. Oh, which we haven't talked about. But um, that I'm would so be excited incredible. about that. I know. I'm going to try to get Martha Carroll there just. Tell her I really want to meet her. <laughs> Tell her yeah, Jennifer yeah, Diane Golston really wants to meet you. Famous <laughs> podcaster wants to meet you. Just say, I don't want to be on a podcast, Rebecca. <laughs> oh, I won't. I won't do that. I know. I I say, that's not what I said. That's all. <laughs> I want to tell her I want to see her because she's been in a film. Like, like she's a star. <laughs> okay, I'll tell her that. <laughs> She wants your autograph. Mom. Yeah. No, but that would be great. And and I yeah, I look forward to talking about that, the screening here uh, that should take place this year, hopefully in August. I put out the save the date in the newsletter yesterday, so there's no turning back. Yeah. Well, let's just get to it. The, the, the screening, let's talk about the filming station where the venue it will be at. Okay. The filming station is um, downtown by the what I call the Twizzle Sticks, the roundabout over on 8th and Lee. I love it so much. Uh, it has a theater and this black box space. So we're actually going to do a whole experience that's called Operation Fog Lift. And you'll get to see the film with me and hopefully a lot of people that were in it. And then watch Liz DeBetta's award-winning play, Unmothered, that also deals with primal wound theory. 
in in the same day. And then I will, of course, rent one of those tractors that has the hot tub in the back and we'll ride around Nashville mm. and have a big time. <laughs> that sounds delightful. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so. I'll be here. I think it's I think it's really going to be special for you too, being born here and a lot of family here and um yeah. yes i think it has a lot of potential to be the most memorable events we've done yet right. and since it's such an intimate space there really are limited tickets we can't put that many people in that space we're gonna do it two days so okay. it'll be saturday or sunday the fifth or the sixth so you can't do it more than two days well, it's possible. Yeah, I mean, it is. If we sell out, then I'm sure DK will consider, what do you think, Thursday or Monday? Thursday, Thursday, Thursday yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a great idea. I think so. I think you will sell out right away. I hope so. Yeah, I understand there are quite a few adoptees here. I, I know a few. Yeah, so I, I think we could. Yeah, I think we could do that. Oh my gosh! Well, if you help promote, I'm sure we can. <laughs> I'm happy to help promote it. And if you'll be there, I mean, that's huge. Oh, I'll definitely be there. I'll be here in August. I know it's the summer, so I, I Liz and I wanted to put out the save the date ASAP because people are making plans. Yeah, and that's a really good time. I think of the year. August. I think Lisa Ann can come. Oh, yeah. From Wandering Tree. We talked about it at Summit. Yeah. And Adam. And Adam. Yeah. There's a lot of people in Nashville. I was trying to convince Pamela Caranova to come down. She's not that far. Mm -mm. Mm-mm. I think we could do it. Yeah, I think we could do more than two days for sure. Becky, the social worker, is in Nashville. And, you know, Nashville is centrally located. And people ask me, well, why is everybody going to Nashville? Like, it's the number one place for bachelorette parties. I think number two oh for gosh. bachelor parties. And this is my answer. And I you know, I haven't done any research. But Tennessee is centrally located in the country. So it's easy for people to, easier sometimes for people to get here than to, say, go all the way to the East Coast or all the way to the West Coast. So I think you're, you're right. Yeah, if you're coming from Chicago or you're coming from further south, yeah, it's kind of, mm-hmm. it's like a central, central But there's location. so many adoptees and, like, big producers that are in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I didn't even realize you were there until we talked the other day. Yeah, I've been here coming up on nine years, and, and yeah, I really I like that. it. Yeah, I really yeah. like it. I'm excited. Well, I now I'm really excited. <laughs> you should be. You should be excited and very proud of the work you've done and are doing in the community. Yeah, it means a lot, and to be able to to manage and move through some resistance that we can meet from our own community. I think we just continue to to learn how to deal with that and just get better at about it because that should not stop us from doing valuable work. So I want to value your time. And and so in in closing, is there anything I didn't ask you that you want to share? Oh, I know what it is. Mm. We want to talk about Oosha. Oosha. What is what? 
Oasha. What is it? How are we going to pronounce it? Oasha. Okay. Let's talk about that. Because when you sent that to me in an email, I was like, what is that? And then when I, <laughs> when you told me what it was, I just laughed at myself. And I said, you know what? I want to be a part of having more fun in life, right? Like discovering something that should have been so obvious to me. And then you said, absolutely. You want to lean into fun for your brand. So whatever you want to share about that. There already knows it's the abbreviation for once upon a time and adopted land. <laughs> They'd all figured it out already. <laughs> right? Right. Right. But, and I had never thought of it that way, but I like it. <laughs> I'm like big on abbreviations. So I just assumed that you like abbreviated it that way all the time. <laughs> and so that was hilarious. But yes, I do. I feel like in this space, there's so much loneliness and feeling like you don't belong and isolation. And so I want to present the opposite of that. And I'm in the entertainment industry. So I do think the opposite is fun and creating these experiences that you can be in community and with other people who get you having fun and making these new memories that you can go back to. And the importance of fun is just something that in this space, in this community, we should be talking about more. Mm-hmm. Because it's healing. Play. Play, Fun. yes. Healing. So healing. Yeah, play is it's a big part of my life now. And it's kind of my inner child. It's about 12 years old, coming out maybe for even 20 minutes to, to engage in play. Yeah, well, I can just see us on a the back of a tractor in a hot tub now with our <laughs> pina coladas. <laughs> going to happen on Broadway. Right. Oh, my goodness. Isn't that something to look forward to? I'm glad you're doing that. I'm glad you're... Yeah. I should probably, like, reserve it. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this has been a great conversation. Thank you for taking the time to have it with me. I appreciate it. Huge honor. Huge honor to be on this show. I appreciate you. We laughed, had some lighthearted conversation at times, and explored a more serious subject that I haven't yet done with other guests to the extent that we did on and off air. When we come under fire or meet criticism from within our community, we are free to choose how to best manage that. I appreciated how Rebecca Autumn was able to pivot from verbal punches or insults on social media and turn things around in a positive way with someone who was also open to meeting in person to resolve the conflict. I know of a particular platform that can be a toxic place at times in our community from personal experience when accusations were made about me that were completely unfounded. There are newer places online where adoptees with a large following seek to bully another adoptee. I'm of the opinion that we can agree to disagree without being abusive to one another. I'm excited that Rebecca Autumn is bringing reckoning with the primal womb to Music City at the filming station. As a native Nashvillian, her life has been steeped in the sounds of that place. 
The Adoptee Army here in Nashville is happy to support the work she's doing in our community. Thank you, Rebecca Autumn, for having this conversation with me. I know that you wear many hats besides being a mother to a beautiful little girl named Frankie Jo. It is by being in fellowship with people like you that I am encouraged to stay the course when in the face of adversity. When I learn that you look forward to the production of more stories about adoptees, I couldn't be more excited for you and all of us. If you like Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, follow and or give a five-star rating so others can find it too. During the course of your day, I hope you will tell at least one friend or someone who you believe might find value in it because word of mouth is the best way for me to grow the show. If you seek to be an ally of the adoption community, I hope you will consider making a donation to keep the show going at patreon.com forward slash land. Your contribution allows me to present a weekly episode free of advertisement and is greatly appreciated to add a valuable resource to the adoption community. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs>